Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. We've been in this book. Uh, I've been very open, very upfront about it. Uh, sometimes, a lot of times when I preach, you know, it's something that I came across in the Bible and it just grabbed my heart. Other times it's, it's a collection of things from this, you know, this book and this sermon and this article I read and just kind of put it together. And then other times like this series, I read this book and I thought, oh, we got to do that. Like we just, we just got to do that. And uh, that was about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And so um, we're finally doing that. And uh, this is a book by uh, Pastor Robert Morris, pastor of Gateway Church out in Texas called The Blessed Life. I've been encouraging you to pick it up. If you don't have a copy of it, you can get it on Amazon Prime. I think it's uh, $13.50-ish. You can get it on Kindle or iBooks for less than $10. Uh, Last week, we gave away a copy. Uh, This week, we're going to give away a copy again uh, because we like giving. We think that it's a good good thing to give. And so, um, whoever, I don't know who's going to get this yet. Don't look on your program because there's not a little star this week. I've got a different uh, method to the madness, but... um, I mean, the truth in this book can really change your life. Um, and I say life, not wallet or bank account. Because notice it's a, the blessed life, not the blessed Bank of America. Okay? It's the blessed life. Like the truth in here can impact your marriage, can impact your parenting, relationally. Uh, it, it can, it can uh, change your, your life and you can walk uh, in blessing. And so uh, let's do this. I have no idea who this is going to be. Uh, but I figured, um, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's uh, see who's got a birthday. Birthday's a good time to receive gifts. And so uh, if you have a birthday coming up this week, I don't know, raise your hand. If you have a birthday coming up this week, bam, right there. I don't see anybody else's hands. You got it. I think that's a, a man I can't see. Uh, do you want me to just throw it? <laughs> no? Hey, Chris, would you come and grab this? She's right behind you. She'd have to get by a couple people. Just give that to her. Uh, that's for you. Happy birthday. Uh, congratulations on another year. Amen. That's cool. Yeah, so um, uh, pick up that. Uh, several people have texted me. I, I know a couple people have already got it. Some people got it from the library. I think you can rent it from the library. You can even rent it, I think, on like a, an ebook from the library. So uh, it, it's just, it's really solid. And uh, the reason I like it so much is because so much teaching and preaching about finances in the church um, eventually gets to the place of give to get. You know what I mean? Like, if you give, then God will give back to you. And it becomes the motivation. And the reason I love this book is that's not the motivation. Uh, He says it very bluntly and just just straightforward. Like, we give to give. That's it. That's the motivation to give. Because like Johan was saying earlier, God is a giver. It's in his nature. And when we give, we're being transformed uh, to be and to look more like him. Today, uh, as we wrap up this series, is really kind of like part two from last week. Not like you don't have to have been here. We're not going to build upon it necessarily. But we ended with uh, this verse from Luke chapter 16. Uh, verse 15. Uh, Jesus uh, is talking, and and, uh, Luke makes mention in verse 14 that there are Pharisees in the crowd, who, by the way, Luke wants us to know, are lovers of money. Uh, And so Jesus responds to them this way. He says, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But then we ended with this this last uh, clause here, but God knows your heart. 
Not God knows your bank account. Not God knows your financial standing. No, God knows your heart. I don't know if you know this, but God is after your heart. Like, that's what he wants. He wants your heart because he doesn't want anyone or anything to occupy, occupy his place in your life. He wants your heart. He wants it all, and he wants to not only be number one, but your only one. Like, he wants your heart. And when we talk about giving, what we have to understand is that giving is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Well, I thought it was a wallet issue. No, it's not. It's a heart issue. In fact, in Luke chapter uh, 12, verse 34, uh, Jesus is talking, and he's, he's talking about worry. He's talking about fear and the fear of lack, the fear of not having enough. And he just makes this statement. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And a lot of times when we talk about money in church, people are kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go to church because they're just after your money. All the church wants is your money. That's not true. Only God is the one who wants your money. God wants your money. That's what Jesus said. Now, what do you mean that's what Jesus, That's what he said. God is after your money because God is after your heart. And God knows where you put your money, your heart will follow behind. You don't believe me? Check this out. Um, I don't give a flip about what happens on eBay. I don't care until I post something to sell. And then I'm sitting at my computer, I'm taking my phone, refresh, 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 refresh. Why? Because I've put some treasure on eBay and my heart has followed after it. You see how that works? So, some of us, we never open the stocks app on our, on our phone until we invest in stocks. And then it's every morning when we wake up or every afternoon or in the evening when we're, whoa, what happened today? Did it, did it increase today? What's going on? I don't know. See, when we put our treasure in a place, our heart will follow after it. Jesus says there is a string attached between your, your, your heart and your wallet or your heart and your pocketbook or your heart and your online banking or your heart and your credit card. That's what he said. He says there's a connection here, and where you put your treasure, your heart will follow behind it. And so Jesus will go on to say, if you want your heart to be in the kingdom of God, put your treasure there. Put your treasure there where moths cannot destroy, where rust cannot creep in and destroy. If you want your heart to be in the kingdom, you've got to put your treasure in the kingdom. Now, Jesus also uh, is teaching in another part in Luke, Luke chapter 6. This is kind of, um, this is our introductory main scripture. We only have two, this one and one from Deuteronomy. But the one in Deuteronomy is really where we're going to root, like, root down in. This is really to get us to that place, to, to get us to the place where we understand that giving is a heart issue and it's really, it's all about the heart. Check out what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. If you have a Bible, if not, just, just look at the screen behind me. He says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this passage of Scripture, in my opinion, is one of the most often misunderstood passages in, in scripture. And I'm going to prove it to you right here. I just made an observation. 
How many times in these two verses does Jesus use the word money? None. Zero. He doesn't even say it. Yet for many of us, when we read give and it will be given to you, we read give money and money will be given to you. But it doesn't say that. And that's where we turn the message into give so you can get. Give to God and he'll give. He'll pour out so much into your lap that it'll just give and, and it'll be given to you. That's not there. But you know what is? Judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. In other words, Jesus says give judgment and judgment will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. Give condemnation. And guess what? Condemnation will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together. I heard this one story about a lady that goes in to meet with her pastor. Um, and, and they go in, and they go into the office, and she couldn't secure a babysitter that day, so the kids are just kind of running around the church, right? And, um, and, and she sits down, and she says, Pastor, I, I, I just I need some advice. I need some counsel. My kids, Pastor, my kids are crazy. They're so disrespectful. And they're so rude. I mean, they yell at me when I can't take them in public because they'll, they'll just yell at me and they'll say rude things and, and rude remarks. And, and Pastor, I just don't know what to do. And about that time, one of the kids stepped into the office and interrupted her. And she looked at the kid and she said, y'all stop talking. Don't you see I'm trying to talk to the pastor? <laughs> yell and yelling will be given back to you. That's some good parenting advice. Anyway, now, I know this sounds like, I know, I know, I know, I know this sounds like the idea of karma, but it's not karma, okay? Here's why it's not karma. Karma is you get what you deserve. This is not karma. This is, this is the biblical idea of sowing and reaping. You see, karma, you get what you deserve. Well, the fact is, I deserve hell. I deserve judgment. I deserve condemnation. But because Jesus was sown into the ground, hello, Jesus was sown into the tomb, I get to reap grace. I get to reap mercy. I get to reap blessing. I get what I did not deserve. So this isn't, this isn't karma. This is sowing and reaping. And the problem when we make it, when we make it about give to get and, and you get what you deserve and when you give, you're guaranteed to get back is because then we make it all about money and money becomes the motivation for us to give. See, what happens is when we turn the message, you know, give and it shall be given. And we can, listen, we can take that and we can apply it financially. But what, what, what happens is when we take it and we make it all about money, then the temptation is money becomes our reward. Or money becomes our motivation rather than our reward. And nothing in scripture says that we are to give in, in order to personally benefit from it. it. Nowhere does scripture say that personal gain should be our motivation. Yet when we hear a lot of people preach about giving, that's exactly what we hear. Hey, give to God and you'll get back so much more. What a great deal. And the truth is, that is absolutely true. You cannot outgive God. It's impossible. It is impossible to outgive God. But how do you think God feels when his people only get excited about giving because they've been whipped up by some get-rich-quick scheme? 
Give, and God will bless you and pour out all, and just give, 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 so you can get, 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 get. Well, I want to get, 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 so I'll give, give, give. You ever think God is just up in heaven thinking, man, my people finally caught the revelation of getting. I'm so glad my people have a vision for getting. No. God wants us to have a vision for giving. Why? Because it's at the heart of the gospel. For God so loved the world, he gave. Giving is at, the, is at the very heart of the gospel. And when we are generous, here's what we're doing. It's not, it's not give to get. It's not karma. You get what you deserve. It's sowing and reaping. So we're, we're reflecting the grace that we have embraced. We're reflecting the grace that we embrace when we have generous attitudes, when we have a generous heart, which again, Generosity is a heart issue. It's all about the heart. So if that's true, if everything I said is true, which I think it is, um, but, but if it's true, then how do we develop that? How do we go about developing a generous heart? Well, we can find that answer, I believe, in this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 15. If you have a Bible, that's where we're going to be for the rest of the morning Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 15. That whole thing right there was just the introduction, but I promise you the main body of this message isn't going to be that long. We'll be out of here in 25, 45 minutes, something like that. Uh, all right, here we go. I've got four things for you. Uh, all of them come directly from this passage. Uh, and the first one is this. In order to develop a heart of generosity, the first thing we have to do is we have to overcome a selfish heart. We have to overcome a selfish heart. Check this out. Verse 7, uh, I'll give you some context after I read the passage. Here we go, verse 7. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land, the Lord your God is giving you. Let me pause right there. Let me give you context so you understand the rest of what I'm saying. So this was written at a time before the Israelites had moved in and occupied what they called the promised land, Canaan. They'd left Egypt, right? They were enslaved and they were enslaved in Egypt. Uh, they left Egypt. They've left Pharaoh. They've crossed through the Red Sea. All of that's behind them, but they have not yet entered into the land that the Lord is giving them. So God is giving them some, um, some, some <coughs> guidelines and, hey, here's how to live when you occupy the promise. Here's some, here's some, uh, the, the way I want my people to be when they enter into the promise that I've, I've, I've uh, laid up for them. So he says, when you finally get there and there's some poor people among you, when you finally enter the land and you've got poor people in the community, look what he says. He says, do not be hard hearted or tight fisted toward them. Rather, verse eight, be what? Be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Then check this out, verse 9. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. So, so God tells them this thought that I'm about to explain to you is a wicked thought. He says, he says here's the thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts, we'll talk about that here in just a second, is near. So that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may appeal to you or they may appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. God says, God says there's this wicked thought that, that because the year of canceling debts is close by, I'm not going to give them anything. Now, let me 
explain to you what that means, okay? So in the Israel economic system, all right, um, it, th there was this, there was this um, line, this clause, that every seven years, all debt was wiped off the books. It's called the year of canceling debts. If you owed somebody something on that seventh year, it was gone. It was, it was extinguished. How many of you wouldn't mind, oh, hello, like maybe a year of canceling debts in America? I might be appreciative of that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody? I'm the only one? Okay, thank you. And so um, debt is terrible. Don't be in debt. All right, there we go. Dave Ramsey's happy. Cool. Um, so, so year seven, we would wipe the debts. And so God says, listen, 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 if you look around the community and you see some poor people, but then you look at the calendar and say, wait a second, next year's the year of canceling debts. If I loan them some money now, they're not going to be able to pay me back because that debt's going to get cleared next year. God says, don't think like that. Don't think like that. Don't, don't harbor that thought. Don't have that kind of mentality. That's a selfish Heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't have a selfish heart. I want you to be generous. I want you to be generous like me. Don't, don't harbor that wicked thought. Well, the seventh year is getting close, and man, I, I, I want my money back, so I'm not going to lend him anything. What is that? God says, that's, that's wicked. Notice what he says. He says, not only is that wicked, but he says, he calls that wicked thought and that hard heart and that tight-fistedness, tight you know what he calls that? He calls it sin. He says, he says, if you have this attitude and this mentality and it causes your action to hold your hands tight and not give anything, then they will make an appeal to me and I'll call it what it is. I'll call it sin because it's selfishness and it doesn't look like me. So God says, God says we have to overcome a selfish heart. Number two, we have to avoid a grudging heart. Now, what is that? Okay, cool. Verse 10, check this out. This is in the same sense. So if you see poor people, don't, don't have wicked thoughts. Instead, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Come straight from the scripture. Do it without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. In, in other words, God says, I want you to give generously to them. And after you've given, don't look back in resentment. And don't look back in, 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 in regret. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I experience this all the time. Selfishness will attack you before you give, but... A grudging attitude will attack you after you give. Regardless of what is going on, when you decide to give, something's attacking you. After the fact, it looks like grief. It looks like regret. It looks like a begrudging mindset. And I know this because I battle this all the time. I have the worst buyer's remorse ever. Like I will buy something and then I will regret it for weeks on end thinking, man, what could I have done with that money if I wouldn't have bought that thing? But let me tell you this, the same is true when I make a donation or I make a gift. I have to, I have to be careful about, about my own attitude because I, I, don't, I personally don't have a tremendous struggle on the front end 
with the selfish heart, where the enemy attacks me is that grudging heart. Because I know this to be true about some of you because it's just life. When you decide and you make a, you, you go over and above with your giving or you increase, maybe you're trying to build up to 10%. You're trying to build up to, to a tithing level of generosity and, and you go up a percentage or two percentage points. Here's what happens. Something breaks. <laughs> Anybody else experience that? Like, I'll give, you know, we'll have a Christmas offering or an Easter offering, and we'll be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We'll give, and then the next week, something on the car breaks. And here's, here's what God is telling us. He says, when that happens, don't look back on your generosity with resentment. Thinking, man, what could I have done with that money if I still had it? That's a temptation, y'all, and that can get in your heart. And that can, that can twist the blessing that, that, that God wants to uh, pour into our lives. Because here, immediately what happens when you give, the enemy starts yapping in your, in your head and starts talking to you. You shouldn't have given that. See? See what happens when you do that? You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't do it next time. You won't do it next time because you'll know something's going to mess up and you're not going to be taken care of. And the enemy sows that fear into our mind. And we let it grow into a begrudging heart. Because we don't understand whose money we're dealing with. You ever, you ever be in the middle of a sentence and you just have some random thought? Like I do that all the time. Like just, just right now, literally right now, I'm thinking, um, <laughs> sorry, you give me this ADD moment. I'm thinking, I don't have my wallet. Because I, I, I have the, the mic pack in my back pocket, but it's not my wallet. And we're planning to go to lunch later. And I don't have any money. And I don't know what to do about that. Um, so anyway, uh, Mike, you. I got Mike. Right on. Thanks, Mike. I should share more of those thoughts more often. <laughs> let, me, let me explain what just happened. Mike felt no grief giving me this money. You know why? Because I gave it to him before church. <laughs> This isn't his. This is mine. I gave it to him before church and said, there's going to come a point in the message. We're talking about a grudging heart. I'm going to talk about not having my wallet. When I do that, you come and give me this money, okay? He did, he's not experiencing any level of grief, right? No grief. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe a little bit. I, don't know. <laughs> I kind of wish you'd have forgot about that part. But anyway. Why did? Because it's not his. It was never his. The only reason we experience grief after we give is because we've lost perspective of whose the money is. It's not mine. It's not mine. I might have worked for it. I might have got a paycheck with my name on it. It might have gone into my bank account. The scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I recognize that every good and perfect gift that I have comes from the Father above in whom there is no shadow of change. Everything that I have is because God has given it to me. And the reason we have a begrudging heart is because we thought it was ours. I thought it was mine. Friend, God is not blessed when we are filled with regret over what we give. And the way we, 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 we start shifting that, 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 that mentality, that grudgingness, is reminding ourselves, whose is this, really? It's God's. Okay. So when I give, I'm just giving God back what is his. So number one, we gotta overcome a selfish heart. Number two, we gotta we got we we gotta avoid a grudging heart. Number three, uh, we have to develop 
a generous heart. What's that look like? Let's keep reading the passage. Uh, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. If any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you and serve you six years in the seventh year of canceling debts, you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Look at this. Here's the, here's the I, I was wanting to call this develop a liberal heart, but I thought some of you political fanatics might get the wrong idea. And so never come back to church. And I'm not talking politics at all. So let's just call it, let's develop a liberal heart. Because check what, check verse 14. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed now, we don't have threshing floors and wine presses, at least I don't think you do, but God still wants us to be generous with what we have. What, what we have, what God has blessed us with, God wants us to be generous out of that. See, here's the reality. I was born into the world selfish. If you doubt that, just hang around and, uh, anything from a newborn to a 37-year-old and you'll discover exactly what I'm talking about. We are born selfish. We are born again generous. We are born selfish. The old me is a taker, but the new me is a giver. The old me has sinful DNA, but the new me has God-generous DNA. The, the old me tries to manipulate God by what I give so that I can get. The new me gives because God has blessed me so richly and everything I have is his. So I've got the right perspective. So I'm just going to give that to him. You see, you see we, have to, we have to develop a liberal heart and realize that the old me was selfish. The old me was grudging, the old me was stingy, the old me was tight-fisted, but the new me, the born-again me, looks like God. Number four, last thing, develop a grateful heart. Here's how he wraps up this passage. He says, verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. This is why I give you this command today. He says, God says, don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget that when I found you, you were enslaved. Don't ever forget when I found you, you were bound up in chains. Don't ever forget that when I found you, you were making, you were making bricks with no straw in Egypt, and I rescued you, and I redeemed you, and I parted the Red Sea, and I brought you out. Don't ever forget where you came from, because when you remember where you came from, you'll be grateful. And when you're grateful, you'll be generous. Everything that I have is because God gave it to me. Nothing that I have did I do in my own strength. In my own power, in my own mind, I mess everything up. I make a mess of things. But in God, everything I have is because he's given it to me. Parents, this is the perfect way to tell your, and teach your kids about giving. This is exactly what God says in Exodus. We're not going to read the passage, but I just want to reference it. This is where we started the whole series, Exodus chapter 13, where we talked about giving God the first. And in verses 14 and 15, God says, hey, check this out. Here's what's going to happen in your life as a parent. Uh, you're going to have kids, and your kids are going to notice that every time one of those sheep uh, has the first uh, newborn sheep, every time one of your, your, your sheep, your female sheep, whatever they're called, has a, uh, yeah, you, has a lamb for the first time, 
they're going to see you go out and slit its throat. And so eventually they're going to come to you, Dad, Mom, and they're going to say, why do you do that? When I have a kid, are you going to kill it too? Like, what's going on? And in Exodus, God says, here's what you do. You take that opportunity and you tell your kid and you say, listen, sit down. I want to tell you this story. Um, see, son, we weren't always in this promised land. We didn't always have this blessing around us. For a long time, son, your family, we were slaves in Egypt. And we were making, we were, we were, we were making stuff for Pharaoh and we had no freedom. But God, with a mighty hand, brought us out. God delivered us from Egypt. He delivered us from slavery. God pulled us through the Red Sea. We watched God drown an entire army. We walked through dry ground. And now we're in this land of blessing, son. And, and I remember where I came from. And so I, I gladly give God the first to remind myself that everything we have, son, is his. Now, I've been blessed to have this exact same kind of conversation with my oldest. Dad, can we get this? Dad, can we get that? No, son, we can't. Why? Don't, don't, don't you make enough money? Well, son, I make enough money to, to have the house and to give everything, uh, the, the, to get everything we have, and, and we're blessed. Uh, well, well, what are you writing right there? Well, I'm going online, son, I'm, I'm making our, our donation. Or, or, or we take a little bit less. We do a payroll deduction this, this month so that, so that we can give financially to the church. Well, don't you work at the church? Why do you give to the church? Don't they, son, I'm not giving to the church. I'm giving to God. Well, why do you do that? Because, son, I wasn't always a Christian. Son, I grew up in church. I grew up in church, and I heard this my whole life. I heard about Jesus. I heard about the gospel. And then one day it became real to me. See, son, you, you got to understand your dad didn't always make the best decisions. you got to understand, son, that, that when God found me, my life was a wreck. Son, you got to understand that when God rescued me out of sin, I was enslaved to sin. I couldn't make a right choice. I couldn't get my life together. It was a wreck and a mess, and I had destroyed everything in my own power. But God rescued me, son, so I don't mind giving back to him the first because he's worthy of it, and I'm so grateful. This is the perfect way to teach your kids about giving. We, we, we do this joyfully. Because God's been so faithful to us. And his grace has changed us. And his grace has made us who we are today. And so we give back to him joyfully. Just like Johan said at the taking up the offering, we give cheerfully. Because God is so good. Does God bless givers? Absolutely. But not to entice us, but to set us free. To set us free from worry and fear and and anxiety, and to bring us in to a generous life, to a blessed life, to a life that looks like his. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have here today. Uh, Lord, we recognize that, that like, so, like everything else in our lives, giving is a heart issue. And Lord, you want us to develop a generous heart. You want, us to, you want us to overcome selfishness, to avoid that, that grudging attitude. You want us to develop generosity by being grateful. So this morning, my prayer, God, is for those in this room who would consider themselves follower of Jesus, that they would just have a moment where they remember where they came from. Lord, would you bless us, not, 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 uh, not bringing up the past to make us feel condemned. That's the work of the enemy. But bringing up the past to make us grateful, that's the work of the Spirit. So, Lord, would you right now, just in this holy moment, 
Remind us of where we came from. Remind us of the sin that you pulled us out of. Those of us in the room, God, who are followers of Jesus, remind us of the brokenness that you've healed. Remind us of the relationship that you've restored. Remind us, God, of the, of the wrong thinking and the wrong mentality and the attitudes and the selfishness that we've been freed from so that we can be grateful. Because when we're grateful, we'll be generous. And when we're generous, we're growing to look more like you. We love you, Jesus. If you're in this room this morning and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I just want to remind you as we wrap up this series, the only way you can have access to the blessed life is through Jesus Christ. It all starts there. It all begins there. And it begins there because God gave first. God gave first and God gave his best. When he sent Jesus into our world to live and die and raise again, he was giving his very best to rescue the very worst in us. And if you want to surrender your life to him, it, listen, you, 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 just, you just reach out to him and you say, Father. As a matter of fact, if that's you right now and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you can make these words your own and you just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come inside, live, send your spirit to live inside of me. I admit that I have sinned that I have lived life in my own power, that I'm, I am living separate from you. And today, I want to invite you to be my Lord, to be my master. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for surrendering your life for me. Fill me with your spirit so I can live for you. In Jesus' name. If that's you, friend, just... On the back of that connection card, just check the box that says, uh, send me information about becoming a follower of Jesus. Or maybe today you recommitted your life to Jesus. Just check that box and drop it off on your way out. Uh, there'll be a basket there you can drop it in. We'll follow up with you this week because we want to help you take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. We love you. We're so excited about what God's doing in your life. Lord, for the rest of us, let's have a great day today. And, and give us that blessing of remembrance in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.